I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi there, welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast where women can share their experiences with pregnancy and birth, a space created solely for women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the details. In this episode, I chat to Michelle and she talks me through her five pregnancies and births. Michelle had her first three babies in the US and then had her fourth and fifth baby here in Ireland uh, through a home birth. So she talks us through all of those details. There is also some sensitive content within our chat, so I just want to make you guys aware. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast to tell us about your birth stories. If you wanted to start by giving us a little introduction. Sure. So my name is Michelle. Obviously, I'm not from Ireland. I was born in the States. I married a man, a Limerick man. So I've been here in Ireland for about seven years. And I'm a birth doula, a postpartum doula. I do antenatal education, hypnobirthing loads of different bits and pieces for parents. So that's what I do professionally, I guess, on the side. I also am a really big advocate of, you know, kind of changing the way people view plus size pregnancy and plus size birth, because I think there's a lot of, there's still a lot of stigma around plus size birth. And many women would come to me and, you know, way more fearful. (laughs) than than others that I've spoken to because they've just been told, um, you know, plus size pregnancy is, you know, their plus size pregnancy is going to be full of complications or, um, you know, they're being told that they're a bad person because they got pregnant while being um, plus size or, you know, no no matter what language you use, some people say plus size. I I don't mind the word fat um, or obese or overweight or any of those words. And I think many women come to me feeling really guilty about their pregnancy or fearful that their birth is just going to cascade into this horrible event when, um, you know, I'm a plus size person myself. And I've had, I would say one, you know, my first birth was more negative than I would have hoped. Um, But then I went on to have four really positive births. So um, your size does not determine your birth. (laughs) It's what I I often tell people is anybody can have a positive experience and anybody can have a negative experience. You know, birth is unpredictable in that way for sure. Yeah, I've seen you're you're fairly active on Instagram with promoting um, 
women who plus size women who are pregnant so it's it's a nice message that it's something that i wouldn't have con- thought about that was, was an issue but it obviously is but you're not addressing it really well on instagram yeah thanks very much so do you want to talk to us about your uh pregnancies and births so we'll get stuck into your first pregnancy was it planned no absolutely not i was 16 <laughs> So I was a teen mom, an unplanned pregnancy, and I had I was dealing with all the loads of stress associated with an unsupportive biological father uh, to my baby. So I was navigating that pregnancy uh, with with the support of my parents. I will say my parents were super were shocked, of course, but super supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once you know once the pregnancy was announced, and I went through my pregnancy fairly stressed, I would say, uh, more stressed about the potential relationship than really the pregnancy. The pregnancy was pretty um, easy, I would say, compared to the the next pregnancy that I would have. But uh, my son was, I went into labor about, I went into labor four days early. And I had gone to these teen mom antenatal classes in the States. And they were really informative. I have to give them credit that they were super informative about the different types of pain relief. Um, But they didn't really go into, and mind you, this was almost 17 years ago now. So they they weren't talking to me about why you might want to, you know, the benefits of certain things or the risks of certain things, or, you know, in what circumstances you might want to choose an epidural or any of that. So it was very surface it wasn't formative, but it was very surface level. So um, I talked to what I really did is what many people do is I I heard different stories from family members. And of course, I was the first of my friends to get pregnant at 16. So (laughs) I had absolutely no peer support. So I talked to aunts and cousins and my mom who had five children. And she gave birth without any, um, she had unmedicated vaginal deliveries so I thought if she can do it I could I could do it and I saw myself um, as somebody who could tolerate quite a bit of you know intensity whether it was Mm -hmm. I had had some surgeries prior to pregnancy so I was like if I can handle that I can handle this and I went in to the hospital and I kind of naively thought, if I go in and I tell them I don't want any medication, they're going to help me make that happen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to look back, you know, look back. I mean, it was, yeah. even when I was pregnant for the second time, I was like, okay, it's, it's, it was very clear to me to see, um, you know, how I kind of steered myself down a certain path. And, um, in, in in that case, it was purely just ignorance. I didn't I didn't know any better, and I didn't know how to advocate for myself, or that I would have to, in that situation. Okay. Um, so, yeah, and I had no partner. I had no partner with me. I didn't have a doula with me. I was there with uh, my mom and my two sisters. Um, my two sisters, neither of which had given birth. And my mom, who was just very emotional, <laughs> very emotional about watching her baby have a baby. Yeah, so, sure. yeah, yeah. So it was, um, I went in at the first, like the first sign of contractions I went in and I look back at that now and I'm like, yeah, I could have stayed home probably for about 18, 18 hours or so. 
Um, but I did go in and I was standing. There was an ensuite, so I was using, I was on the toilet, I was in the shower, I was walking the halls, kind of, you know, what you see on American television. <laughs> so I was doing those things. Um, but like I would, I would walk down the hall once or twice and then I'd, and then I'd be lying in the bed. So I would say I wasn't as upright as I probably could have been. And um, in, in the States, active management is very kind of the expectation. It was 17 years ago, much as it is in Ireland, where they really want to see you dilating about a centimeter an hour. And at 16 years old and not really knowing what to expect and not understanding uh, the the importance of hormones during labor. Mm. Um, I kind of, I did, I was kind of hanging out around three, four centimeters for, I want to say maybe 16 hours. So I did, and okay. I was like, oh, wow, labor's easy. <laughs> like, Don't we all think that on the first? <laughs> then yeah. we get into the nitty gritty. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was like, labor's easy. Like, I'm three, four centimeters, and I'm I'm handling this really well. And, um, you know, didn't realize what was to come. And no. yeah, it was. And of course, like, I wasn't, I, I don't, my labor was just really, really slow, which is typical for a first time mom. Um, but I didn't know, you know, again, I didn't know all these things. So the nurses um in the hospital where I was giving birth, it was not a midwife led unit. It was pure like obstetrician led. So I had nurses and not midwives and they suggested Pitocin or Syntocin on to help speed up the contractions. And I'm not like I was 16. I'm not sure if I signed the forms or if my mom did. I cannot remember because like I was obviously pregnant and giving birth to my baby, but I was also under 18. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who signed the forms, but I do know is that I was not informed about what I was actually getting, signing myself up for. Okay. Um, I wasn't told any of the risks. All I was kind of told was like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to give you something to help speed up your contractions and you'll get to meet your baby sooner. Um, so nothing about, Oh, and by the way, we know you want a natural unmedicated delivery, but this could lead to other interventions. There was no, there was no discussion. It was just, Hey, we're going to do this. And, um, so I did start the drip and, oh my gosh, I went from four centimeters to 10 centimeters within an hour. And I'm like, that's not like, that's not normal. <laughs> like that, that's not what my body was designed to do for first first pregnancy first birth and and you had no pain relief tried this I did I did I remember at one point because because I I didn't want I didn't really wanted to go without the pain relief and Mm. the the contractions just were one after another I had no break and I had this pain in my thighs that nobody told me could happen during labor. So I, so I immediately was like, there's something, now there's something wrong because I'm having this pain. Nobody could, nobody told me, um, could happen. And it was just, it was, it was, I was so emotional and it was, it was, it was painful. Um, and I remember just breaking down crying and some of it was because of the intensity and some of it was because emotionally I was like this, I just, just, it wasn't what I wanted. 
So um, I did consent to, it wasn't pethidine, they don't use pethidine. Um, there, it was, it was a different type of a narcotic that, that they give women during labor, but I, but I got it and, oh, I just, I was 16 years old and had never been high, but let me tell you, <laughs> I had, I had this and it was, it was, it was as, as though I left the room and for me, like looking back, like after, after the fact. I found that really upsetting because it was like I lost a connection with the labor and all up until that point, I felt really connected to my body and I felt really connected to my baby. And as soon as I got that narcotic, it was like I felt suddenly really disconnected and I was high. There's no, there's no other way to describe it. That is, I was high. I was barely able to hold my head up. Like I was still getting, I was still having the contractions and the feeling the intensity of them. And there was at one point when I said, what is this actually doing other than making me drowsy? Like what is, because it really did not, a lot of people will say it, oh, it'll take the edge off. It didn't. It didn't. Um, sadly, all I really had were the side effects of feeling really disconnected and kind of out of it. And the the worst part of it all is I actually don't remember my son being born. Like I was there, my eyes were open. Um, I remember them because they they were kind of saying your labor is really really slow. And then after I got the pitocin and after I had uh, the local anesthetic they were like slow down slow down slow down so (laughs) it went from your labor's too slow to now your labor's way too fast and don't push and anybody who's been told not to push when your body's pushing knows it's like impossible and I remember them trying to close my legs trying to get me to close my legs and um, that was that was the worst part of the labor because you're holding in something that (laughs) you're you're trying to hold in something that your body is, you know, physically trying to force, you know, how, you know, force out. Um, And it was time, it obviously was time for him to be born because I did have such an intense urge to push, but um, he did, he did arrive and he was healthy. I was fine. I did have some tearing and I, but I do remember (laughs) I do remember because the nurses were all around. Everybody was all around me and I was on my back and stirrup. My legs were in the stirrups and the obstetrician walked in and I remember I gave out to him like, oh my God, hurry up. Like, where have you been? Like, where have you been? Um, So because it did go from kind of zero to 60 within an hour, hour and a half. I went from four to 10 and pushing, pushing this baby out um, which was a very surreal experience as a 16-year-old to have my mom, my mom by one side, my sister by the other, um, everybody looking down, legs spread. Um, I don't remember, you know, that moment, that moment when your baby arrives and you feel really relieved and joyous. I cannot remember that bit. So I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I, that there weren't more interventions but I still left that experience feeling so uninvolved and like the decisions were being made for me instead of being included in, in those decisions. And yeah, it kind of shaped, <laughs> shaped the rest of my life really. So I got pregnant eight, eight years. Yep. Yeah, eight years later. And I had, 
uh, in between my first and second babies, I had met my Irish husband. We had gotten married. I'd been diagnosed with polycystic ovaries and we'd been trying to conceive for two years. So um, her pregnancy, like we were trying, so it wasn't really a surprise, but um, that pregnancy was was a bit more stressful. I can see, I did conceive in Ireland, we were living here and I had extreme uh, morning sickness. So hyperemesis until about week 20. And my daughter is now eight and a half. And eight years ago, um, when I went to the maternity A&E, hyperemesis, like I, I remember nobody said hyperemesis to me until like I found, I found it on Google. And, but prior to that, like the, a lot of the consultants were very inexperienced in what hyperemesis was and how to treat it. And that there were medications that, that could be given. And I was told so often <laughs> during her pregnancy, uh, like, you know, some nausea is very normal during pregnancy. And I was so insulted, like, yes, I know I've been pregnant before. I know nausea is normal. I'm telling you, I can't even like, I would try to suck on pieces of ice just so I could have like, I would take sips of water. I would suck on ice and just let it dissolve in my mouth. So I wasn't even really swallowing anything and I would still vomit. And I'm, I think I lost 25 pounds or so. it was something like that. Like I was a plus size person and I lost weight. So they, they were kind of like, Oh yeah, that's all right. You've lost weight. No big deal. You, you know, but I, I, I was concerned about the fact that I was, barely able to eat. So I wanted the home birth. He wanted a hospital birth and we decided to compromise. Um, and I said, well, if we're having a hospital birth, then we're hiring a doula because I need to know that there is somebody knowledgeable about pregnancy and birth mm -hmm. in the room with me, um, you know, who can help me. And to be honest, and my husband would say the same thing. He was not confident being that person. He was you know, he, he read the books, he read, you know, he didn't read entire books, I would kind of write down, you know, read these pages, look up these, you know, position, look up these labor positions and, and do all of that. But he was happy to put, I suppose, more of the weight on the shoulders of my doula to be that support person. And I was totally comfortable. I was totally comfortable with that mm -hmm. as well. We went with Jade and Jade was our doula and she educated me so much. We created birth preferences. I mean, that's when I really kind of dove into pregnancy and birth and kind of became a, a birth geek. And, you know, I want to know as much as much as I possibly can. The only, I would say the only really negative thing about my pregnancy with, with Neve, my daughter, was that my doula, I was going to my antenatal appointments and I was at the very end, it was a day before her estimated due date and my doula told me, she said, Michelle, I just want to let you know that um, because she had been working with other people and she knew the birth culture, she had, you know, had clients in this hospital before. And she said, I just want to let you know that sometimes because vaginal exams are very common. Once you hit about 36 weeks in America, um, 36, 37, 38, 39, every single week you go in for an antenatal appointment, they will check for cervical dilation. So that's very common. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, I want to know how far dilated I am. Um, but she did say like, just be, be aware that sometimes, you know, doctors will do a membrane 
membrane sweep. I thought you were going to say and, that. Yeah. 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 And I, so I, and she educate, you know, we got the information. I found out what it was and I said, you know what? I had told my doula and my husband, like I would consider it. I'm not saying I would never do a membrane sweep, but I really don't want to do one until after, you know, after my uh, baby's estimated birth date. So I went in a day before um, her due date and it was just funny because the nurse said, so, you know, your, your due date's tomorrow. Should we schedule an induction for Monday? <laughs> and this was on a Friday. And I was like, oh, no, I'm okay. I'm good. Um, so I, I declined the induction and it was no big deal. And um, my birth preferences were already in, like already in my file. I had already talked about them with my obstetrician, which uh, in, in America, it's different as well in that a lot of it, it's privatized. So I had been seeing the same consultant every single time and my insurance covered it. So I had been seeing the same consultant. So I was like, it's in my file that I don't want to like be induced. So I was just, you know, reminded the nurse like, oh no, I'm good. I don't want to be induced. And the doctor came in, typical appointment. He checked for dilation and he said I was four centimeters dilated. And I was really, and I was like, wow, really thrilled. Didn't even know that could happen. Uh, before labor had started and my husband was in the room with me and I just remember like I was lying flat he checked cervical dilation told me I was four centimeters and then seconds later the exam got like really uncomfortable and my eyes started to water and I remember my eyes got kind of big like I looked at my husband like whoa um, and it was it was just more it was more painful than I had experienced before and I mean this was my fourth fourth internal exam so I had had three previous and this doctor had never like it had never been painful so I sat up the doctor said you know tomorrow's your due date and you know I usually don't like my patients to go past their due date because risk of stillbirth and other complications and I responded oh yeah no I completely understand that's why I'm thinking like maybe next week when I come in if I haven't gone into labor uh, I would definitely consider a membrane sweep. And he said, well, that's what I just did. Oh. And I remember like. That's so upsetting. Yeah, like my heart sank. Mm. I got really hot and really like, I don't, I don't know if I was hot or cold. I want to say I was, I was probably cold, but I was like sweating. I was sweating. I like even now, like you can tell, like I'm even struggling to find the words now. I didn't say anything to him. I didn't say a single thing. I'm pretty sure he just closed his file and went out the door, but I left and I was, I was so upset. And I mean, I, I'm a big believer that like, no matter what, like a membrane sweep can, is like, is an intervention, you know, it's something that is happening inside your body. Um, and everybody should either give, you know, everybody deserves informed consent, which I wasn't yeah. given that right. But what this doctor didn't know is that I'm also a sexual abuse survivor and internal exam, like without being too graphic, what this doctor did is like, I was abused as a 14 year old and what he did almost mimicked what was done to me as a 14 year old. So, you know, it's just, it, it triggered so much like the feelings of being sexually abused 
like came flooding back at, at the very end of my pregnancy. And I remember leaving and I, and I had told my doula, I was like, oh no, this doctor would never do that to me. Like when she told me, like, I just want to let you know, membrane sweeps can happen without consent. And I was like, no, that would never happen with my consultant. We've been through my birth preferences. I trust this person. And um, so then I was, oh, I was, I was frustrated with myself. I was frustrated with a consultant. Um, and it really, really kind of shattered the end of my pregnancy. And all I thought after that was, I hope he's not the consultant on call when I go into labor. Like if I go to the hospital and he's the one there, that's really going to mess, mess with my head. Um, the membrane sweep did not work because I was so stressed. Like if my body was thinking about going into labor, I shut that down. I was like, mm -hmm. I don't want this membrane sweep to work. I had some cramping. I had some spotting, but no labor. And it wasn't until six days later, I actually went into labor. And um, when I did, it was about six o'clock in the evening. We rang uh, my doula at eight and she came over fairly quickly. And one of my fears throughout pregnancy and throughout the labor was, I was like, oh my God, like I've, I kept telling myself and I would never say that I would never say this to another mom and I would never say this to a doula client, but I kept feeling like, I don't know what real labor is. You know, all I know is what Pitocin did to me. I don't know what, what, what the contractions from my body actually really feel like. Um, I was laboring at home from eight o'clock until about midnight. I kept telling my doula and my husband, I said, I will let you know when I'm ready to go to the hospital. I don't want anybody asking me, yeah. you know, are you ready? Are you ready? Like, don't, don't bug me. Like, let me, I really wanted to make all the decisions in relation to the labor. I know there was a part of me that was hoping I would have an accidental home birth. Like, I, I know there was a part of me that was hoping for that, but it did not happen. I couldn't, I actually couldn't wait. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get there just to get out of the cramped car. Um, but I did arrive and I was thrilled and a bit in shock when they told me I was nine centimeters. I was, I was absolutely thrilled to be, to be nine. And um, then my labor stalled and I was, I, I knew it was because I got to the hospital and I knew it was because this was a hospital where the membrane sweep happened without my consent. I was afraid the doctor was like, I'm sure my stress hormones were fairly high when I did arrive. Um, but I did, it was, it was another four hours until I had, my daughter and I was walking the halls in the shower. Um, my doula was great. My husband was great. They were kind of protecting, protecting my bubble um, that I had kind of created for myself. And I told all of the nurses to go through them. I was like, don't talk to me, talk to them. If you have a question or, you know, whatever the case may be, just try to go through them first, which was really helpful. Um, but I also was very aware that the nurses were putting a lot of pressure to like move things along. Like you're already nine, <laughs> like you're already nine. Let us give you something to tip you to 10. Um, and I was very adamant, like, no, I don't want anything. Um, I did consent to them breaking my waters and the very next, like they broke my waters, which was a relief. 
there was a relief in pressure. Um, but then immediately after that, I was like, oh my gosh, and I like, <laughs> became incredibly loud. Um, and it was the next contraction. It was the very next contraction after the waters, my waters broke and they did see uh, some meconium. So they told me the, the pediatric team would need to come in. And I just remember me getting very vocal, the bright lights coming on. Um, I originally did not want to birth on my back, um, but there wasn't a lot of, everything happened so fast. Like everything happened so quickly. I swear if it had been a little less intense, maybe I would have taken a different position, but I was on my back, which I regret now because she was nine pounds, 12 ounces. And the pushing, the, the pushing was uh, very intense. She did come out after only three, um, three contractions, but <laughs> my, my mother was there. She wasn't meant to be, but she peeked her, her mm -hmm. head in through the door. And um, the nurses were saying like, oh my gosh, look at her shoulders. My daughter's shoulders at right before they came out. And I just thought to myself, like, that's not, like, don't, don't say that as the baby's coming out. Like, oh my gosh, look at how big it is. <laughs> but you know what? She, she arrived, she was healthy. She had swallowed some meconium. So I'm very happy that the, the pediatric team was there to, to remove that. Um, I had hoped for delayed cord clamping, but they did milk the cord. So basically take it and kind of, um, it's hard to describe. So the, the obstetrician held onto the cord and kind of tried to force more of the, put pressure on the cord to force more of the blood toward babies. So unfortunately okay. I didn't get everything, but like they did put her on my chest I mean, it was a much, much more positive experience, uh, but I was very aware, like, the whole labor while I was in the hospital, even though it was only just over four hours, um, my husband, I started calling him my birth bodyguard because he was very much like having to fight off, <laughs> like, like they were, they were constantly coming to him for questions and constantly kind of interrupting the flow that I was in, and I just... I left that experience like, oh my gosh, I did it. I had the vaginal birth that I wanted. It wasn't medicated. I felt in control. All the decisions were mine. Um, I felt very good about it. And then I also went, but I know that if I ever have another baby, I don't ever want to have another hospital birth if I can avoid it. You know, I left that, I left that experience going, you know what, hospital birth is for a lot of people and if that's where they feel safe and comfortable great but um i think i want to birth at home if i and, and I, I already knew that i wanted to have another baby so going forward we decided on home births and now we've had three three home births um since so the third the third pregnancy um everything again smooth sailing some nausea um, I did get fairly sick in the third trimester and um, basically I got eczema that covered about 85% of my body and anybody who's had eczema knows um, it is so itchy. It can be so inflamed. It's just an, an awful, awful um, skin condition that can just oh drive you, drive you mad. And it was covering about 85, yeah, about 85% of my body. Um, I was eating 
some foods that I was allergic to. And it, w it was basically like combination of pregnancy, hormones, eating these foods. And um, yeah, so my body was just in, I don't want to say poor condition, but I like I was hurting. I was really hurting that last trimester, of course, saw doctors and he started to have it treated. Um, but I suppose a bit controversial in some circles. I decided uh, my third birth, I wanted to have a free birth at home. So I, the the trauma from my second pregnancy, a membrane having the membrane sweep without my consent. It was during my third pregnancy. I didn't I didn't deal with that happening. I'll say that I can say that right out is I did not deal with that experience until I got pregnant for the third time. And it, there was just one, I remember there was one night I was going to a Christmas lights festival and like it was in the car. I just broke down in the car and was like, I'm pregnant again. I had a, you know, rem remembering that awful experience. And I was like, I can't go to a hospital. And, um, we lived about two minutes away from, we lived two minutes away from the hospital. We had moved. Um, and I had, I had decided on a free birth and my doula had become my best friend. <laughs> so <laughs> Jade, our doula that I'd known since I was fine, five became my best friend. And she said, I'll, you know, I'll go as your friend. I'm not going to go to your birth as the doula, but I'll go as a friend. And if you need help or support, of course, I'll help or support you. And I learned even more about pregnancy and birth. And I felt, I really felt comfortable because I became so connected to my body and so connected intuitively to like everything, everything that was happening. And I had started meditation and I did go to antenatal appointments and my doctor knew, knew my intentions. She, I had scans. I had, um, you know, I, at that point I wasn't consenting to any pelvic exams and my doctor, my new consultant was very, was a female. So I switched to a female consultant um, and she had. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. had a history of working with uh, survivors of sexual assault. So okay. she never once did a pelvic exam of any, <laughs> any kind during the entire Uh, pregnancy, but she was phenomenal. And, you know, she said, if you have any problems, or if you're in labor, and anything comes up, or you have any doubts, any worries, anything, um, just, you know, come to the hospital, and I will, I will be the one to meet you here. And I will be the one to help you, you know, with the birth of your baby. So I felt like I had everything um, situated in line. Um, At that time, because I know people who are listening might say, well, why didn't you get a midwife? Uh, There was no midwife in my area. So where I was living, there was no midwife available. Um, The closest one I think was an hour and about medical expenses are very different in the States as well. I think she was about $5,000, did not have $5,000. So I went with the free birth. I felt really confident about it. And looking back at it now, um, it it was, it was the best choice. And I'll I'll tell you why in a second here. So, um, yeah, my labor, I think I was 10 days. I was 10 days over. Again, I wasn't worried. I didn't have a membrane sweep. I just thought I trust my body and my baby. Um, when I go into labor, that's fine. And I woke up at 4 a.m. with some really strong, like very, very low pelvic pains. I had a couple of them. I changed position, used the toilet. I thought, oh, maybe these will go away. Um, they didn't. And I got up, told my husband, you know, oh, start getting the birth pool ready because I had planned on water birth. So him and my son, who was now 11, were setting up the birth pool and filling it. And within 20 minutes, I was like, something's going on here. This is way, this is really, really intense. My contractions were very close together. So um, I'm 20 minutes in, my husband, you know, said, do we call, do we call Jade? been in labor for 30 minutes I said you need to call her that pool needs to get filled I think I'm in transition and I must be I must be way closer than I think I remember being in the kitchen I remember standing up in the kitchen and I would have a contraction and my husband would be helping me and then immediately he'd go check on the pool and then he'd come back to me go check on the pool um and it was about an hour after labor started my waters broke and so I walked the 10 steps from the kitchen to the sitting room and I got into the pool. It wasn't even full all the way. I want to say maybe it was up to my belly button, maybe. Um, And I was on my knees and the very next contraction, I said, I can feel the baby's head. Oh gosh. And yeah. Yep. So it was, and I, again, we had a, we had a video camera going. My husband was like, what? So, um, yeah, and then the very next, I had one contraction and I could feel his head. I had another one, the head was out, and then I had a third contraction and his body was out. And our, my friend didn't get there until 45 minutes later. And every, like, I was in the pool, I pulled up baby, he, 
his eyes were open, he was breastfeeding away, uh, very happy, very content, no signs of congestion, his color was really good. Um, and my, my friend arrived 45, about 45 minutes later, and she was training. She was training as a midwife at that point, so she wasn't wasn't completely done. Um, but she just, you know, took a, she just observed us. She didn't really, you know, do any medical anything medically. She just, you know, asked, "How are you doing? How are you feeling?" You know, she could see that baby was breastfeeding, and at no point did I go have any inkling or suspicion that something was wrong. He saw a doctor the very next. It wasn't that day, but it was the next day. Um, and yeah, and everything was fine, and he was healthy and happy, and um, it was a really healing experience. And um, I thought, anytime, like if I had hired a midwife or if I had hired a doula, neither one of them, <laughs> neither one of them would have made it. There's just, there's just no way, and there was um, no way I could have predicted that I was going to have a quick birth because my, my previous two were 18 hours and 11 hours. So, um, yeah, he was, William was born very quick and very intense labor. And he's, a, he's the same, he's the same way to this day, very intense, uh, passionate child. So, um, yeah, that was my free birth. And yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't change a thing about it, to be honest. Uh, William was, six months old and we moved back to Ireland and um, my fourth was born in two, uh, 2017 and that time I decided I just had no inkling didn't really want to have a free birth again um, I still wanted the home birth I went with private midwives Ireland so um, I really like the continuity of care that you have with a home birth midwife because she was always a person I saw um, I got to, you know, you build what you do, you build a relationship with your home yeah. birth midwife. And my husband really liked her and, you know, felt confident. And she involved my older children in the antenatal care. So, I mean, it's really sweet when your older children can like hear the baby's heartbeat and, mm -hmm. you know, have their hands on your belly and she's telling them this is baby's bum and baby's head is down here. So it's can become really a family affair <laughs> when, when yeah, these visits absolutely. happen. And I went, and at this point I had done uh, my doula training. So in between my third and fourth pregnancies, I had done my doula training in Ireland. And, you know, I, every single, between every, every pregnancy, like my knowledge just kept building, <laughs> it just kept building and building. And now it was a profession and um, <clears throat> I felt fully supported by Madeline. So um, my labor started the 26th Yeah, St. Stephen's day. We were playing a board game um, and I knew a, a lot of people had said to me, oh, oh, like your last labor was quick. This one will be really quick too. And I knew it wasn't going to be. I just, you know, intuitively, I was like, okay, sure, <laughs> you know, smile and nod, but I had really kind of prepared myself for anything. I was like, long or short, doesn't really matter. I know, I know I'm going to be fine. And um, yeah, it started Saint, the night of St. Stephen's Day, and I had early labor for a few hours. And then because I had already been up the full day, I thought, you know, I want to conserve some of my energy. So my husband and I, we went to bed and woke up when uh, the surges had gotten a bit more intense. And during this pregnancy was really 
again, smooth sailing, a bit of nausea, but that's when I discovered hypnobirthing. So I hadn't, um, I'm trained now as a hypnobirthing instructor, but at the time I was just listening to some tracks. So I hadn't taken a class or done anything online. I was listening to tracks. And now I know that listening to tracks isn't like all hypnobirthing. <laughs> like, that's not all hypnobirthing is. But at the time I was like, you know, let's just, let's give this a go and, and see what happens. So I did really enjoy the tracks. I did use them during my labor. And yeah, I, I, we went to bed around midnight. I woke up at 3 a.m. And I was in... The pool was starting to be filled, and this time we had a pool cover. After a couple hours, again, I told my husband, I was like, I don't, nothing's really, you know, nothing's feeling too intense. I really think I can sleep through these. Let's try to sleep some more <laughs> because who, who knows, who knows what's ahead of us here. And I knew the kids were, you know, my other kids were going to be waking up. Um, yeah, the kids, we went to bed from six to eight, and the kids started to get up. They slept in later than usual, so I was happy about that. And um, as, as I had suspected my labor, really the, the contractions had started to, to space apart. So everybody had breakfast and uh, my husband, there was something he needed. There was something he needed from the shop. And I just said, yeah, go ahead, go on, get dressed. You can leave everything signed here. And he double checked, triple checked. I said, no, go ahead. And it was after he went, like after he had gotten dressed and was ready to leave, I was like, ah, no, I think you should stay. The contractions have started again. Don't go anywhere. Um, and it was 30 minutes later, 30 minutes later, everything started kicking off. Like um, I got really cranky and I got really cross with him and he phoned his parents who were going to be minding uh, my three older children. And he was gone 15 minutes and it was during that 15 minutes I let the midwife know to come uh, to the house. And thankfully, Madeline and the secondary midwife, Sandra, lived in the little village next to me. Oh, perfect. So, well, Sandra lived in the little village next to me, and Madeline had spent the night at her house. I, I, it was just like, I don't like to birth in front of people, but when everybody was gone, I also missed having somebody there as well. And that's when things really picked up and... And the contractions became really intense. I'm not, I was not timing them. And to be honest, I was like already on my way to labor land by the time, you know, there was no way I was going to time anything. So um, I tried to get comfortable. I got into the pool and it was just like, you could, you just feel your muscles soften and relax and any tension I was having, I just kind of let go of. And Madeline and Sandra arrived and I want to say it was maybe two, two minutes later, my husband came back. And as soon as all of them were in the room, I just burst into tears. And I was just <laughs> like, I wasn't upset. I wasn't yeah. upset about anything. I think I was just so relieved. I was like, the kids are gone. My support team is here. Let's get on with it. And I was just, I was so happy. Like, I know a lot of people don't talk about, you know, happiness a lot but I was I was very very happy I was so content it was the first time I had ever labored during the day and it was like a beautiful sunny day rare, rare in Ireland in, in December um, and I just I, again I fully trusted my body and there was at one point um, I was going through the contractions and I can laugh about this now but Sandra said to me you know like Michelle are you bearing down and I was like, I don't know, am I? 
you tell like you <laughs> you tell me am am I bearing down um because I was just so focused on relaxing opening like I wasn't thinking about what my body was doing I was yeah. just in in the zone and I did it was shortly after that I said oh I need to go use the toilet which was like I think another kind of indicator to the midwives like oh she <laughs> she's bearing down and going to the toilet um so I did make my way to the toilet and um, my waters broke while I was seated on the toilet I honest and then Madeline came in and she, you know, she said, Michelle, I, I really, I really think you should get out, get off the toilet and get back into the pool. I could have stayed there, um, back to the pool and one or two surges later, I had the urge to push. Like I was so swept up in the moment and the hypnobirthing and everything else that, that thinking part of my brain had totally switched off, which is why when they asked if I was bearing down, I really, like it hadn't even crossed my mind. So uh, yeah, it was like the pushing phase again. I don't know what's up with me in three pushes, but it was like three pushes, <laughs> three pushes later. And um, he was born and it was this time it was interesting in that I could feel his head turning like his head was out of my body, but I could oh, feel goodness. his head, head turning. And then I could feel his body rotating as well. And it was overwhelming. But like, that's the connection I had always been looking for in labor yeah, was amazing. like, mm -hmm. I, yeah, it was, it was, it was really amazing. And um, it was just such a serene and calm experience that I, I left that going, oh yeah, I could, you know, give, give birth a hundred more times. It was just, you know, one of those experiences that it was, it was everything that I had wanted to be with the support team that I had always wanted. Like if, if I could whether people are giving birth in hospital or at home, I, I would hope everybody would feel as supported and loved as, as I did at that moment, because I really did. Yeah, my husband and I went on to have a fifth baby, and now Iris is seven weeks old. So Iris, beautiful. Yeah. yeah, thank you very much. My fifth pregnancy was planned. Um, I had nausea my entire pregnancy. So whether I label it hyperemesis or not is, you know, kind of up for debate. I wasn't, I wasn't vomiting the whole time I was able to eat. And I suspected, I suspected Iris was a girl because I had nausea similar to her sister. Um, I decided to, I decided to use acupuncture and homeopathy and I did reflexology and I, I did all those bits and pieces. And then uh, lockdown happened. So I was pregnant during lockdown and, um, I will, I, I would say, you know, as many other families would say, the pregnancy wasn't as fun, you know, as, as I had hoped. Yes, I had nausea and in a way lockdown for me was a little bit of a blessing in that it like forced me to slow down. So, um, and again, I decided to go with private midwives because I had such a great experience with them. Sadly, Madeline has moved to Liverpool. So, and she's, she's still a midwife and still doing, doing her thing and, you know, supporting families over there. But I um, had Anne as my midwife and I will, <laughs> I will be honest when I said this to Anne. Um, I, I was like, it's, 
it's hard. It's hard. It, it is hard uh, for me to, to connect with a maternity provider because, and I do think it is really important to feel a connection and have mm-hmm. some rapport, you know, whether that's an obstetrician, a doula or a midwife. Like I really like that connection and that rapport is really important to me. So we did, and I, my husband, my husband was very disappointed when Madeline had moved, but we did meet Anne, and she was very lovely, you know, different, different personality, and of course, different person, but all of the good bits of home births were still there, so that continuity of care, her involving my family in the antenatal care and like she know knows all of my children you know I have four other children so like she knew all of their names <laughs> which you know she learned all of their names in a very short time and you know the, the antenatal care was was great and I had against other than the nausea everything else with my pregnancy went really really well and like I and I was had care in coordination with the maternity. So the, the care that I have from the maternity hospital and combined with private midwives, like everything was fine. Um, as a advocate of, you know, plus normalizing plus size pregnancy, I declined being weighed, which was not a huge issue because um, I'm an eating disorder survivor. So uh, me knowing my weight, um, can act as a trigger of um, disordered eating. So I went into maternity and said, please, I don't, I don't want to be weighed this pregnancy. And they were completely fine with it. It was not an issue. I was three days past Iris's estimated due date. And I was lying in bed one night and we had a heart to heart. I had a heart to heart. You know, I was like cradling, cradling my womb. And I didn't know didn't know what I was having, but I was basically just talking to my baby saying, you know what, it's safe. I'm ready for you to arrive. Your family's ready to welcome you. Like, I mean, it sounds really airy fairy when I, you know, may sound really airy fairy when I say it out loud, but I, you know, I think I was giving my body permission and I was telling my, like, it was, it was really like a stress reducer. Like, I'm just letting you know, I'm ready. And it was, it was like, I'm ready whenever you are. (laughs) If you asked a lot of people, I, I did the same. A lot of people would, it's not until, as you said a minute ago, it's not until you say it to someone, they'd be like, yeah, no, I did that as well. (laughs) You You get to a stage where you're like, yeah, no, I'm ready. And you know, everything's fine. Let's go. And you do, you do say that to your baby. Like a lot of people would do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was talking about it with my doula friend as well. And, and she said, Michelle, I think you actually need to get to a point where you're totally sick of being pregnant before labor, <laughs> before labor will start. So I did, I was like, I'm really, I'm, 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 and see, this is my last pregnancy as well. So I really tried or was my last pregnancy. So I really tried to, I was really, in a way, I felt like I was really kind of hold, trying to hold on to that experience. Yeah, like, this yeah. is my last pregnancy. I don't want to let you go, but like, I, you know, I'm ready for you. And yeah, sure enough, like 12 hours later, 12 hours later, after that little heart to heart, I woke up at, I, my, I had a lion, which was fabulous and um, started losing my mucus plug and it was nine in the morning and I really don't like laboring during the day. This is probably the most excited I've ever been 
to be in labor. I was like, yes, like, here we go. I'm so ready. Like, and, and then I was like, but let's, you know, let's, let's just wait a little while. So, you know, started losing my mucus plug. And then around two in the afternoon, uh, the surges started and from two until six, they had, like, they started becoming more regular. And then from six until 10, zilch, not a thing. I was really happy about it because I, like, I had dinner, the kids, like, we were doing normal family stuff. And then we took out floor mats and the pool and had everything set up. The kids were in bed and I knew, I was like, watch, as soon as these kids are in bed, it's going to, it's going to kick off again. And that's exactly what happened. (laughs) As soon as the kids were in bed, I knew they were out and asleep. I just think my body and my hormones could all, you know, kind of start working again. And yeah, at 10 o'clock, um, yeah, they, they started and they were maybe four or five minutes apart. I was watching television with my husband. And again, like I, I do, I do get irritable. I was like, you need, like, you need to turn this off. I can't try be trying to focus on a television program. The hypnobirthing tracks um, were put on and then it was near midnight. I actually, I, my husband and my son again, my oldest were filling the birth pool and I was like, I'm checking out. I'm just going to, I'm going to go upstairs to the bedroom and just lie in the dark and maybe see if I can sleep between these surges. I called Anne because she's about two hours away. And like, we had this, she knew I had quick labor. So I told her, I was like, I will give you enough time. So um, I did call her at midnight and I want to say within two minutes, within two, like I was, I was so relaxed. I was just, I was so relaxed, like totally blissed out. Like this is going to be, I mean, if anybody would have walked in, I would have been like, you know, totally just blissed out. Um, and my husband came into the room and it was, it was dark. I had a salt lamp on, so there was a little bit of light, but I could tell by the expression on his face and his, his eyes were watering. He said, we have a really big problem. And I was, I was like, what could it, what, like, what could it, what could this problem possibly be? Like the kids are like, <laughs> everything's in place. What could be wrong? Um, yeah. So I went downstairs and my wonderful birth pool had a puncture mm. in it. <laughs> I can't let this mess up my hormones. So <laughs> I was like, put the hit number, you know, hit no birthing tracks on. And then I got into like problem solver mode. I'm like, okay it's midnight. Somebody's got to be up. I know all these doulas and midwives. I'm going to start calling people. And really the first person I called was another doula. The very first person I called had a birth pool available, uh, Shelly. So I went, um, but sadly Shelly couldn't bring it to me. So I called Shelly. She had a pool. I called another friend um, and she went to get it. And it was about, it was 45 minutes there and 45 minutes back. So I had, I had that organized. I knew the pool was coming. Um, I had my husband, you know, those big plastic like storage containers that people, you know, put things in for storage. We had some of those. So I said, take all the water, take all the water out of this pool, put it into these plastic containers. Hopefully it'll stay warm. And then when the next pool arrives, you can just dump that water in. Um, Anybody who's had to fill a birth pool knows that it can take 
ages. It can take some, <laughs> yeah, it takes ages. And uh, yeah, so that was around midnight. And so it, between midnight and 2 a.m., my husband and I, like the water was, the water was in the containers. My husband and I, I was laboring away, uh, seated in a rocking chair, <laughs> kind of rocking a nursing chair. And uh, rocking back and forth and kind of getting into a rhythm, listening to the, the hypnobirthing tracks. This entire time I was trying not to panic, trying not to let those stress hormones uh, really affect me because I could feel in the moments, in the brief moments where I started to feel more stressed, the intensity of my surges also increased. So I could feel the connection and, you know, I knew I knew that connection anyway from my training. So, you know, everything, everything did turn out okay. And at 2 a.m., uh, my friend arrived with the pool. My husband immediately started, you know, inflating it and filling it with the water. About 10 or 15 minutes later, Anne arrived. And, you know, my, I had no intentions of my friend even being at my birth. She wasn't invited. She wasn't invited. <laughs> but once she dropped off the pool, um, because and my husband did ask me, like, do you want do you want her to stay? Do you not want her? Like, because again, he's like trying to protect my space. Like, if I gotta yeah. kick her out, I'll kick her out. But you know, um, but it turns out, and I told him, I said, I don't know. Like, again, I'm in labor land, don't talk to me, I can't make decisions. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know. We'll see when she gets here. And she did arrive. And then immediately my husband started doing all the pool stuff. And I was like, oh, but there, now there's no one next to me. Because he had yeah. been next to me most of that time. So um, I immediately, like my friend, who's never been at a birth in her life, has had has had one child herself, instantly became like my best, my best friend, doula slash birth partner she was holding my hand she had a cool cloth to my head she was she was like rubbing she was so loving I mean and then as soon as Anne arrived she became like my second doula so I had my friend on one side Anne on the other and the surges were one on top of the other I was still rocking away in this like breastfeeding chair um, and that's when I started to feel uh, like I had tons and tons of pressure and, and, Anne was great. I mean, Anne was, was doing, you know, all, everything the midwife needs to do, checking blood pressure, checking my temperature, doing all of that. And she, and, you know, in between those tasks that every midwife needs to do, she was also reminding me of how strong I was and the affirmations and, and all of that. And I, you know, told Anne, I feel like I'm holding back because I'm not in that pool. And it was moments later, I did eventually announce to basically everybody in the room, I don't care how full the pool is. I don't care how warm the pool is. I'm getting into the pool now. <laughs> and <laughs> they were all supportive and they helped me over to the pool. And uh, when I got it, I, I will describe it's one of, it was one of the best sensations I've ever felt in my entire life you know of, of everything I'm talking intimacy every single sensation that your body can experience getting into that pool was just heaven um, because I had been laboring away and there was tension more tension than I think there would have been 
because I had, you know, I was, I was waiting to get into that pool. So um, once I got in there, once I got, I was laughing, I was laughing, I was joking. Um, and I hadn't, I hadn't been like that for most of the labor, but as soon as I got in there, it was like everything just became easier. And at one point, because I knew once I got into that pool, it was not going to be long before this baby came. So my husband stepped aside for a moment. And I remember, you know, saying to him, like, Anthony, if you want to meet your baby, you better get over here. Because I, like, I knew. <laughs> and then I was laughing and, like, everybody was la everybody was in, you know, a really good mood and laughing. And there was no tension or anything in the room. Um, yeah, so within... I had a surge and my water broke in the pool and I, it was a very big pop. Like it wasn't painful, but it was, it was very, very strong. And then it was only two or three surges later and Iris was out and I could like when, when you, I see things often online and social media, like, Oh, people roaring their baby out, totally, roared, <laughs> totally roared um this baby out i was i was i was very loud i remember throwing my head back at one point because it oh the the pushing and um the crowning was very intense and i knew straight away i because i did put my hand down to feel in the water i knew straight away that this baby was not a small baby i could just feel and i could feel hair and at one point <laughs> I felt something on the baby's head and I thought, oh my, I, oh, I thought I felt a fist next to her head, which can happen. Um, but thankfully I felt a little more. I was like, oh, that's just an ear. So I felt very, <laughs> very, very relieved that it was an ear and not a fist. And uh, within another within another surge or two, she, the head was out and then her body was out and I've never cried when I've given birth, but I did cry during her birth because, I, I mean, the entire thing was just, my emotions were all over the place, trying to, you know, um, not get too wrapped up and focused on the pool, but stay focused on what my body was doing and remaining calm and just those, those tracks. I kept trying to pull myself away from the panic of the pool. Um, and I was... I think I also cried just because she was, she was there and I did it. And, you know, as much, as much as I would have loved to labor in the pool longer, I was in there for 10 minutes, but that 10 minutes was the best 10 minutes of the whole thing to be, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. And, and within, within a few seconds, you know, I knew, I knew that saw that she was a girl and pulled her out of the water and everybody, Anne was like, wow, she looks big. <laughs> we all we all laughed about that and um, my son had my my 16 year old had was not in the room for the very end he stepped out himself he chose to do that himself which you know fair enough um but immediately after iris was born he came in and i didn't know i didn't know this at the time but my eight-year-old and my five-year-old were waiting in the front hall just on the other side of the door mm -hmm. so I would have been fine with them coming in, but they had waited them. They, they weren't sure. So they waited outside, but they did come in. And I, that was one of the, 
most special moments as well was they were so they were so excited and I had another friend at this at this birth so it really was like a birth party <laughs> another friend yeah, taking pictures mm -hmm. yeah yeah it is and um she got some really great pictures of of my two middle two middle kids uh just looking down like the looks on their faces and um, so yeah and like iris was fine i mean birth wise no issues she did come fairly quick so she had a bit of mucus but nothing you know that, that couldn't be seen to then and she was 10 pounds 13 ounces so much bigger than she was my biggest baby um, but I've had I've had a six pound baby, a seven, eight, nine, and now ten, and not in that order. So sometimes people say, "Oh, once you have a big baby, you always will." Not necessarily. <laughs> not no, necessarily. Yeah. And it's nice that you found a passion as well that you obviously didn't know existed beforehand. Yeah, I never, never would have guessed. Mm. You know, went went to university for totally, totally different things. <laughs> <laughs> than than what I'm doing now, but I really, really do enjoy it. And yeah, like I have I have clients booked for next year already, and I'm like mm -hmm. I'm 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 excited for them. You know, I'm not the one giving birth, but but you do really get excited excited for families because you know you know what they're in for and and the excitement of of a new baby as well. If you'd like to share your story, you can pop me an email to irelandsbirthstories at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram under irelandsbirthstories. I look forward to bringing you another episode tomorrow. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 